You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome back to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I am lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. And I'm the, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you just, you, I heard you take your big breath while I was still, like, just slow your roll. Let me get through my thing. You're going to get your turn. Oh, yeah. Well, what do you mean? Who are you? you? No, go ahead. I was like, I was like halfway through my spiel and I heard you go, (gasps) (laughs) wow, that's. We have good prob- headphones and mics. We should probably so. turn it off, and I should go see a doctor, and All that's right. why I'm breathing. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Uh, regardless, my <laughs> name's Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the founder of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country by helping pastors solve problems. So we are in the midst of a, a series talking about um, how we go about measuring success. Primarily, we measure success according to health. Like that's what we're looking for, not like big explosive growth, but a healthy mm-hmm. church. Yeah. And so we've been uh, over the last few weeks talking about some specific signs of health and mm-hmm. how we can go about further cultivating that. And so yeah. we're going to do that today. And we're talking about a pretty complicated topic today yeah. for a lot of people. And so we're going to start a little easier than that. Okay. Okay. So I pulled I pulled a question out of this silly little box. That I you're like, always trying I like to give the me question the, box. I know you do. So the question box today uh-huh. gave us this uh, real mind bender. Oof. Ready? Yep. What would be a perfect night of TV for you? All right. So can I watch any show, even if it's been canceled? Like the perfect night of television could be like the same show still on. Do or? you live in 1984? You can literally watch any no, show no, ever I don't streaming. Mean, yeah. No. I mean, like it's sort of like. Who would you want to have a meal with, living or dead? Uh-huh. My perfect night of TV would be like certain shows still on the air. <laughs> that you're watching non, like just on, like a Thursday night NBC type thing. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I, I really just feel like this it. is the easiest question on the planet, and somehow <laughs> you've, you've really blown it up in your head. So even just, if, if, even there's if no you rule. Said yes, yeah. I'm not sure how I would answer the question. So, what shows do I like the best? Is that really the question? Sure. Okay. Um, There's literally no wrong way to answer this question. Well, yeah, we'll see if you judge me. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm really into Modern Family right now. Mm-hmm. I love that show. I've just been like working through We're it. We're rewatching that. I used to. I have probably seen the entire series of The Office. I don't think it's exaggerating to say 40 to 45 times, like all the way through. It's sort of what I call my white noise show. So Mm -hmm. when I'm like doing some of my XP work, it's on at home and I'm just like on my computer. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some reason, even though you think like the pandemic would be a great time to really dive into it. I'm on like a hiatus. I just can't even handle it. Yeah, Mm. I can't can't have it on at all well now is it only on isn't it one of is that one of the shows that's like only on peacock or is that on yes that and parks and rec i bought the office parks and rec i hope comes back someday because i don't think it's a buyer but i do miss it i miss ron swanson so so. i didn't know that uh, this is totally off topic but Mm -hmm. peacock is owned by nbc like universal yeah because of the like peacock symbol uh, just putting all that together in this oh, moment oh yeah yeah i thought it was this like weird random actually owns them all yeah that's right Mm -hmm. That's right. So that's why they have those shows, because those were all NBC shows, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think mine would be, I'm going to go less. Oh, wait. What? Just Modern Family? That's all I get to watch in a whole night of television? Well, I don't have anything good else. Lord, how much time? I mean, how late are you staying up? 
just one show. It's like 22 okay, minutes. Okay, it's your per so your perfect night of TV. It yeah. starts with I didn't know this was going to sound like no. a date you were describing. <laughs> I don't have anything else. You go. I'm full up. I can't do it. My brain hurts. Mine. I'm going to go less like I'm less one specific show and mm-hmm. more like what I'm looking for. I like like something that is and this is I'm having a hard time with this right now. I I just can't seem to find this show right now. Okay. I want a show that like I'm that I'm obsessed with that I've mm. not so like when the when I first saw Stranger Things mm-hmm. or Lost was like that for us okay. or most recently I'm drawing a blank there's this sh- a show on HBO it was just a limited series and it was uh Hugh Grant and what's her name who used to be married to Tom Cruise she's Australian red curly hair you're just shaking your head. You have no idea who I'm describing. Nicole Kidman? Yes. Yes. Right. So they had a limited series on HBO that was phenomenal. Okay. And uh, I loved that, but uh, I can't find anything like that right now. Hmm. I feel like I've tried a couple of things like Shadow and Bones or whatever that's on mm. Netflix. I fell asleep literally four times during the first yeah. episode. I have a real hard time getting into a show. That's why I watch the same shows But over once and you're over. in, you're like in it for life. Oh, man. Like Could you literally- president will- of the flan- <laughs> fan club. <laughs> The Flan Club. <laughs> yeah. All right. So mm-hmm. we are today are going to talk about cultivating a generous culture. Mm. All right. So um, I know that most most pastors I've met don't love to have to talk about the topic of money, like mm-hmm. from the pulpit especially, yeah. like teaching sure. on money is, I don't think any, most people are not super pumped about that. And I think the assumption is that people either hate hearing people talk about, they're like, I don't want to hear another thing about giving more of my money away. Or there's this fear on pastor's ends that people are going to just think that I'm personally after their money yeah, because of the like crooks yeah. that have like had big ministries and are like yeah. trying to convince people that they Jets need a new and jet. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. By and large, that's none of our world. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't know a single pastor that's trying to get their own jet personally. Yeah. I know they exist, but yeah, they're not they're our friends. TV, but, yeah. yeah. But the problem is Jesus for sure talked a ton about the financial resources that God gives to us. Mm-hmm. So some people will know this, but in the Old Testament and New Testament combined, there are over 800 verses on the topic of money. Mm. There are 28 passages in the New Testament pertaining to stewardship and generosity. 11 of Jesus' 39 parables are all about resources, mm-hmm. which means that when you do the math, 25% of everything Jesus taught on in the Gospels pertains to our money. So... Mm. Whether or not we want to talk about it, uh, Jesus intends generosity to be one of the chief marks of health in our lives as individuals, as followers of of him and our churches. So we're going to talk about some of the steps that we've taken. And I mean, we've been we've been working on this in I mean, so we've pastored three churches together Mm -hmm. over the span of what has it been now? Almost 14 years together, something like that. Yeah. And so we've been working on this. This has always been something that is important to both of us. And so we've worked hard on this. And so we're going to talk about some of the things, the steps that we've taken to try to cultivate generous cultures. But before we do that, I think it's really critical, and you always do such a good job of bringing this up, that we, uh, we need to dispel one of the most common myths that we believe about people and their money. So you talk a little bit about what we call the heart myth. Yeah, well, I think just that assumption that 
if giving is lacking in your church, the only reason uh, would be because people are selfish, greedy. I mean, again, like, you know, Jesus said that it's uh, easier for uh, a camel to enter the eye of a needle mm-hmm. than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So right. I get it, and I get where we get there. The problem is... I think we assume that's the exclusive reason. Yeah. And as we have found, and as a lot of studies have been done, typically by uh, companies that want you to sign up for their giving platform. <laughs> right. Uh, it is that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Um, and very frequently, it's a host of other things that can really be solved pretty easily in some pretty practical ways. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, what what we want to do for the rest of the episode is just talk about some of the practical steps we take to help cultivate a generous culture. Right. I think that's such a great point. It's good. It is an issue. The mm-hmm. heart is. Yeah, it's not absolutely. the only issue. Right. As we've seen. And I think like most things in life, it's just way more complicated. And we want everything to be like, there's one reason for this. Yep. And the truth is there's a bunch of different reasons. Yep. And so the heart is a reason and uh, we're going to talk about the other ones. So Great. the first thing for us uh, when we think about cultivating a generous culture is that we want to talk about it, talk about giving and generosity and stewardship. We want to talk about those things openly and honestly. And, and sometimes like the assumption is like, Oh, people, like you said, they're greedy. They don't want to give Mm because their hearts are so black on the inside. And and the truth is like, and this is a, a, I would say very true here being in a very like non-churched culture, at least not biblically Christian. um, Sometimes people really don't understand Sure. Or they've been, or they come from maybe a tradition that taught giving in a really distorted, weird, legalistic way. Yeah. And they really are open, but they need to be taught. And so when you talk about it openly and you talk about it honestly and you talk about it graciously, then I think people are inclined to be willing. Yeah. And I think, uh, it's been surprising over the years in ministry and in the role of an executive pastor and having the conversation with people mm-hmm. about their generosity and giving and things like that. Um, the number of times that people don't understand that the operations of the church uh, in a kind of non-denominational Christian world mm-hmm. are funded exclusively by the giving of the people in that mm-hmm. church. I, you know, I think we don't have like the, a Pope sending us no, a check well, every month. Yeah. And I think uh, whether like, even though people know we're not Catholic or things like that, they mm-hmm. just assume that there's like some giant pool of money that mm-hmm. just funds. And, you know, and so if we need, you know, to renovate a building, you just petition Central ops. I don't know. know, It's just (laughs) someone and they like cut a check and you get one. And then, uh, the, the giving of your church is just more nominal. Uh Uh, I've had people think that that's exclusively like for the needy or things like that. And that's why, um, that either don't, uh, live at a level of generosity that, um, the church really needs them to, Mm -hmm. um, or they don't at all. And I would say also, like I, you know, we've had. I think maybe we even did this for a while at Redemption, where didn't we actually print our giving on the paper weekly? Yeah, yeah. So, and they still put it in the app. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, in that situation, people are aware if there's some deficit mm-hmm. between the need and the actual giving. In yeah. our situation, when we don't print that stuff every yeah. single week for people to see, not because of any reason other than. I literally just remembered in this moment, we used to do that. Yep. Sometimes people don't know there's a need. They mm-hmm. don't even, they, like I still, and I think, I think we talked about this with serving. I think the same thing pertains to giving. If there's a building I can show up to and the lights turn on yeah. and the pastor is still here, they assume like, I guess everything's good. Sure. And so talking about it openly 
uh, allows people, invites people into an understanding that they can actually participate in. Yeah, I think another thing that's important in this talk about it honestly and openly is be really transparent with people about the purchases that you make and the things that you do and those types of things. I think um, the people in your church who do understand that they have a role to play in uh, the financial health of the church, I think it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a matter of feeling the need to like, open up everything and, you know, those churches that like put the pastor's salary on the bulletin board in the back and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I think that's very dishonoring. Mm-hmm. If that's your, uh, that's your method, don't, don't do that. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I, don't, I, I don't love that. I really discourage it always. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, I think, regardless of your approach, I do think just helping people understand, I think even at Ridgeline, um, one of the things I'm really conscious, conscientious of is helping people under, when there is something new, walking them through the why behind it and, mm-hmm. and here's what we're trying to accomplish and that type of thing, especially if it, you know, not like every time we get pens, mm-hmm. but if it's anything new of note, I think helping people understand how it's there to better serve our people, to better serve them as volunteers, mm-hmm. those types of things, I think... Um, is just really beneficial to make sure that you're clear mm-hmm. and honest with people about the why. Yeah. And I, I would just say to be, I think one thing that that assumes what you're saying, and this is not really the topic of what we're talking about in regarding generosity. We're not really talking about the church's stewardship of money uh, as much as we are. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mute you. You looked at me and mouth mute me and I didn't. So this is just instead just an authentic oh. moment yeah, in our gotta podcast. we got to come up with some signals or something <laughs> we, like that. we need some hand I mean, signals. There's a, there's a mute button right yeah, there. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Okay. And I just turned the volume down, and I don't think that did it. That's okay. Anyways. Good. So, but what in, in what you're saying, because I've, I've heard you and I've watched you do this for years, where when there is a question, mm-hmm. n- <laughs> I've never seen someone walk away. If they're like, why did we need this, Pastor Tyler? I've mm-hmm. never seen them walk away not a bigger advocate than you are for why that's necessary. Sure. But what that I think supposes is that there has been a lot of thought and intention that goes into purchasing. And I think that's the responsibility on the church end is they need a you or as a team or whoever, there needs to be good systems in place that we are really thinking through what we're getting, why we're getting it. Are we getting the best deal? Because you're always ready with an answer to those questions. Because I think sometimes people, you know, when you do show up in a new jag on Sunday and they're Mm. like, hey, how come above and beyond bought that for you? And you're like, because I wanted it. Mm. That's not good. That's a terrible example. Mm. But something like that, you know, that you're just frivolous with your spending. I think people have every right to have questions about that. Totally. And I think it's important that you respond in a way that like helps people understand versus responding in a way that's defensive. Oh, that's good. Um, I know. So uh, an example I've, I've shared with um, a number of the churches that I support, but um, I remember years ago when we were at Redemption, um, we were in a building um, and we had for a long time uh, gotten banners to hang behind our like guest service area. Mm-hmm. Um, and Um, you know, they would be maybe about the sermon series, maybe about an event or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this was like in the era a number of years ago when like kind of flat TVs were Mm -hmm. uh, new. They Mm -hmm. were still kind of expensive, Mm -hmm. not terribly expensive, but Mm -hmm. kind of expensive and just novel. Now Mm -hmm. they're everywhere you go and think, I mean, I think we have, I have a bigger one in my vehicle than we probably bought that (laughs) day. But regardless, um, uh, something had come up and 
you know, we talked about it. And so we got a TV to put behind there. Instead of the banners. Instead of the banners, yes. And I remember I got approached very aggressively by someone that Sunday morning mm-hmm. um, who felt like it was such a wildly unnecessary thing. There was nothing wrong with the banners. Why would we spend the church's money that way? And kind of went off. And I think, mm-hmm. again, it wouldn't have been helpful for me to respond defensively. But I did respond uh, and it helped them understand, first of all, I had waited a few weeks because I knew at, at that time uh, Best Buy was going to do uh, a Memorial Day sale on their TVs. And so I had waited and I had a coupon and a mm-hmm. gift card. So I had mm-hmm. all of those things. And so I had already worked Clearly this hard. person didn't know you, that they no, didn't just assume didn't. those things. They didn't. Yeah. Uh, but I had worked very hard to yeah. purchase it um, as uh, with stewardship in mind as possible, plus... Uh, I remember vividly that TV cost $397. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I understand that a television seems far more extravagant than a banner. But I said, do you have any idea what the banners that we've gotten cost? And the gentleman said, well, no. And I said, great. I said, so each banner uh, costs $180. I said, and we switch those out sometimes more than once a month, but mm-hmm. every few months. I said, so in three months, we've spent more on banners than we did on the television. And the nice thing about the television is that it can rotate. It can have mm-hmm. multiple images, all of those types of things. We had shoved a USB stick in the side and did all that. And, and genuinely, the response was similar to what you were saying. He was really aggressive and upset about it. And left with, like, he just had no idea and apologized for being so rude and those types of things. And I think um, for whatever reason, some people are predisposed to just assume that you're not going to take care of what God's entrusted you with through Mm -hmm. them. And so it's just helpful to be equipped with the information and to know and to make sure that you put that kind of thought into all of the purchasing that happens in the church. That it's not just like, you know, uh, let's give ex-staff member a budget and they just spend it on whatever they want. I know a story of uh, uh, a youth pastor who uh, had, you know, about $1,500 left in their budget at the end of the year and bought a giant gumball machine and and like a thousand gumballs with it just because they felt like, well, that was my money to spend. And I got to tell you, that would have been if I were the executive pastor mm-hmm. at that church, that would have been that staff member's final day mm-hmm. of ever working. That's at that literally church. what like, if my if Ryder had fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. to spend, he would spend it better than that, and right. he's eleven. Right, but I think that that the people that we're talking to or the people that come at you hot yeah. might have been the one on the finance team that yeah. had to review yeah. the fifteen hundred dollars in gumballs. Yep, and and so I think it's just really important that we like handle those things with kid gloves, but also with precision and focus and clarity, so that people understand. That's good. Uh, another thing would be, and I think this one's really important to not overlook, and uh, I think that you're in a great position to talk about this because, I mean, gen- genuinely are one of the most generous people mm, that I know, thank you. but um, that we would practice generosity in our own lives. Yep. You know, And I do think, I when I think about, I spend probably the most time, in addition to just like teaching weekly, mm-hmm. I spend the most time thinking about what our culture is, what we want it to be, how we foster it. And I think that this is, if we, if you miss as a leader, if you miss this point and you think like, well, we're going to do all these other things, but you don't personally practice it. Yeah. 
I just would say it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you just have to know if you're in a leadership position of any kind whatsoever, yeah. uh, people are looking at you mm-hmm. and, and they are observing and they are watching how things happen. And I just think that like doing your best to live generously, whether it be like personally with your own finances, if you are in charge of something, how do you live within, uh, you know, policy, uh, generous with Mm -hmm. the finances you've been entrusted with, Mm -hmm. all of those types of things. I just think, and I think it's so, so important that we never ask or call anyone to something that we're not doing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So right away, if, if your church believes in a tithe and you are not tithing, Mm -hmm. uh, change that immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, as immediately as like, stop the podcast, mm-hmm. log onto your church's website and change your giving amount yeah. to be that. Because if you've ever stood in front of someone and called them to something differently than you're living at yeah. for whatever reason, I just don't think that's right. Right. I think that you really have to uh, lead by example uh, and even in a way that, you know, so the average person doesn't know what you give, mm-hmm. but God knows. Mm-hmm. And the reality is there's some people that do. Mm-hmm. And again, if you, if you think that as the pastor, even the small team of people who have access to your final financial records haven't ever wondered, I wonder if our pastor gives, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm telling you, um, you are sorely mistaken mm-hmm. if that's the case. And so I think it's really important that we lead well in that and we, um, and we lead by example. Yeah. And it is interesting how we would just, I don't, I don't know what, why it f- might feel different than other spiritual disciplines, but mm-hmm. I just don't know too many, it just feels like such a basic violation of integrity mm. to tell people like, well, this is really what you should be doing. Are you doing it? Well, no. Yeah. Like that, that feels, and, and I just don't think like pastors don't seem to do that with other spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Like we call people to prayer and we pray and we call people to read the scriptures and we read the scriptures and we call people to obedience and by God's grace, we're trying to obey. But in this area, it does seem like, I don't have any like numbers on this, but, sure. uh, but we've been in, in ministry in various contexts long enough to know that it is not, I, I don't think I necessarily would go so far as to say that it is always normative, but it's not abnormal that pastors don't really give. Yeah. And I think, do you agree with that or am I um, off on that? Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I definitely know some pastors all. who have not given. Yes. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I think, uh, the level might be variable. And if I mm-hmm. could just say this to all pastors, ministry leaders, and those who are in high levels of volunteer, mm-hmm. um, you cannot serve your tithe or, you know, let's let's not use that term, but just your call to give mm-hmm. um, like out. You don't have the ability to like, well, I'm, I, I went in on Saturday and served a bunch of extra hours. And so like based on my hourly rate, that oh, means Oh yeah, therefore that I, I don't have to give. Yeah, and yeah. I do think that uh, that's probably where some of it comes from is just yeah. this idea that like, that. well, you know, I mean, I'm doing night meetings, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm giving of my time. And so therefore, you know, time equals money, ergo, I just, we don't really have any verses to support any of that. Yeah. Other than we're supposed to entrust God with our finances and everything he's given to us. And so I think that, uh, and that does include our time for sure, but I just, (laughs) I think it's really, really uh, unhelpful to try to utilize time to cancel out a requirement to trust God with your finances. Yeah, And I mean, we've had a lot of conversations with church members who think that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, well, I don't, yeah, I don't give because I serve so much. Yeah. And I would say, praise God for how much you serve and 
do both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're yeah. trying to do that as well. Totally. I think here's here's another thing I think that's that is easy to overlook. Uh, I think taking into consideration like is our church a healthy place to invest in? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I've been in full-time ministry since 2005, and I've been to so many conferences or listened to so many, you know, leadership church ministry talks that have said the same sentence, people give to vision. Mm. I don't think that that's not true. Yeah. I do wonder more and more uh, if people really want to give to something that's healthy more than Mm -hmm. just a place that's because of how many quote-unquote visionary leaders that they have given a ton of money to have shown to not live lives of integrity and might've been really good at casting vision, but not really good at like staying married to their spouse or (laughs) not very good at not spending the church's money on their own weird stuff. Yep. Um, And so I think more and more people are looking for, I was having uh, a conversation this week with a close friend in another state and, and they're in search of a church right now. And they were bemoaning how hard it is to really diagnose and discern is the culture here healthy. Sure. And, but I think that that's, but that's what I think more and more people are looking for, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you've been in church for a while and you've been burned a couple times, you're very, you're not very impressed anymore with like, how great's your sound? How great's your band? Like, I think that stuff just starts to fade and it's importance when you've been in a place that had all that and mm-hmm. wounded. Yep. And so I think really looking at, is this place healthy to invest in? Absolutely. So it's good. This next one is going to be mainly all you. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, one of the things that's really important is to utilize a uh, user-friendly online platform. So it is 2021. I think even since I've started MyXP a few years ago, uh, one of the first churches we supported, I had to put together like a pitch for the elders to understand the importance of online giving. Mm -hmm. I think especially in the early 2000s, that was a pretty regular pitch that had to be Mm -hmm. made. You'd see like blog articles about it and this and that. It felt like Bitcoin does today for sure yes what Yeah, exactly. And I think that now the likelihood that you don't have some sort of online giving platform after the global pandemic is you're probably not still open anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're listening to this while driving to your sales job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the church is no more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that it needs to be um, user friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a handful out there for sure that are. I think a few other things that are important. Yeah, when you say user friendly, yeah. like what that that could be like a loaded term. So like yeah. what are some of the specifics that you think of that make a platform user friendly? Yeah, that it feels like it was designed by Apple instead of Windows? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I mean, truthfully, that's just 100%. Yeah. But I think also I opened a Word document today mm-hmm. on accident. Yeah. And I just was immediately like, Ugh, "Oh, I hate don't this. get me started. I had to download a Windows parallel on my computer for this thing I needed for my XP." Oh, not cool. It's a huge savings for time, energy, and money. Mm-hmm. But that's the only reason. Cause I, I just like, I, I, I was afraid my computer was going to, I was going to come in and it was just going to be a pile of ash. <laughs> my Mac was going to self-destruct <laughs> like, uh, you know, those get smart uh-huh. or you no know, mission impossible yep. tapes. Anyway. Yep. 
Um, and so I think it just needs to be something that like the average person in your church can navigate really easily. And I think if you're going to install something before you like sign the contract and all the business, mm -hmm. have a few people in your church of varying degrees. So what happens often when you're looking at something online yeah, based for people in your church, you go to the oldest people in your church and say, can you figure this out? Yeah. And if they say yes or no, that's how you make your decision. I think what's true is, and what I found even when we were at that uh, larger church in North Carolina, is people who would be considered more senior citizen or elderly or whatever you want to say, they're like FaceTiming with their grandkids, they're doing all kinds of things, and so they're pretty savvy on it. What I've found is it's the people right now, and they're like between 55 and 65. They grew up through high school, through all of that without computers. They haven't had to use them a ton mm -hmm. in their jobs, or they're like just feeling more and more displaced. It's those people who are crotchety. But what's interesting is they'll typically tell you, you can't install this because the older people in the church will be upset. Yeah. What they mean to say is them. But I think getting feedback from all different people groups mm -hmm. as far as age and demographics and all of those kind of things and getting some feedback about how it works. Do they know how to do it? Can they make an online gift? Those types of things. And I think, I think we all know where I'm going here. Mm -hmm. The only online giving platform anyone listening should ever use for any reason is planning center giving. Mm -hmm. um, not only is it user-friendly, not only is it great, all of that, I am here to tell you, and I challenge anyone to prove me different, they have by far the lowest online process, uh, processing fees that you will find. As a matter of fact, the average church that MyXP supports of less than 200 people will save somewhere between two and $8,000 a year just in giving processing fees by making one switch to planning center giving. Wow. Uh, you're going you're gonna to like the reports. You're going to like the layout, the dashboard, all of that. I mean, there are lots of reasons to do it. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, yeah. if you are on anything else, I don't care what your name is, mm -hmm. uh, look it up because the, the access fees, the statement fees, I mean. Uh, is they, it hard for, for church? So like the only yeah. thing I can think of yeah. because I'm a lead pastor and I understand the way that is like I don't, I don't want to do the work to switch. Is it hard to switch? Um, well, it's not if you go to myxp.church. <laughs> Honestly, I yeah. you know not to turn it into a commercial, but yeah. uh, even that alone, we would be willing to come up with some sort of fee for your church based on your situation to, to get you transferred over yeah. because it's such a huge savings. And what I what I would say is there's no chance we're going to charge more than you probably save in the rest of 2021. Yeah. I can do the math for you very easily. So $8,000. You're going to well, yeah. charge churches $8,000. No, I said it's, there's no chance we're going <laughs> to charge them kidding. more. Will you listen? Good grief. <laughs> Uh, but regardless, I think um, it's it is important. You know yep. that kind of giving processing fee thing is uh, just free. Mm -hmm. um, you got to change to planning center giving. Yeah. If if you're not there already, those get savings there, get are there, insane. There. Well, yeah, and it just and here's the deal. I, like I like to tell people as as we have an initial connect about mm -hmm. my XP that it's not I'm not just about saving money. Mm -hmm. It's not just about like winning at some sort of game. Mm -hmm. Every dollar you don't send to Visa or PushPay or Tithely or any of these others that charge so much more than Planning Center does is a dollar you get to use in actual ministry at your church. Because those companies, while they would convince you that they're doing ministry at your church, are not. Right. All they're doing is processing gifts. Uh, you have an option to do it for cheaper. And so please utilize that money, even if you just... 
gave it to the hungry in your community, mm -hmm. it's better spent than investing in some of these companies. 100%. And so, again, I never mean to malign any company mm -hmm. specifically, but when it comes to giving processing fees, the fact that Planning Center does it for what it can be done and is the company that it is tells me that everyone else is charging way too much. So totally. I'm going to move on from that. Yep. I think also it's important that it's easy to access. So mm -hmm. your giving button on your give now button on your website should be like front and center, clear, yeah. called out. Uh, big fan of, you know, church using an app. The planning center app is great as you've heard me talk about in the past. Uh, that is secure. I think the number one question I get from people, especially people who newly add online giving, is, is it a secure platform? Mm -hmm. Going back to like the example I have with Planning Center Giving, they use Stripe as a payment processor and Stripe is one of the largest online payment processing companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, very secure. Um, and then also um, making sure that it's mentioned on a regular basis, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you're talking about where it's at, mm -hmm. how to use it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the uh, kind of key notes about it being like aesthetically pleasing mm -hmm. is that we are living in a world where when it is laid out nice and is well built, that automatically instills this belief that like, wow, this, this is probably safe and secure mm -hmm. and those types of things. All of those spam emails you get wanting you to like click this link Mm -hmm. and they're all jankety I mean, jankety and, look yeah. like windows did it. it's a whole thing uh and so i think that it's really important that you have a platform that can connect with people um and that you educate them another thing we educate people on is the importance of giving via their bank account instead of via a credit or debit card i know there's a lot of i'm a big points guy mm -hmm. and i would love to give my tithe to Ridgeline uh, via my credit card, but I know what it costs the church. And mm. so we, we educate our people on that. Uh, I think a lot of platforms now are allowing people to cover the fee. I think the importance in that is not necessarily that they do it, but that they can see what that fee is. And yeah. and, and again, with Planning Center Giving, it's a 25-cent fee regardless of the size of the gift. Wow. So somebody could give $10,000 to your church. If they do it via their bank account, they're going to give 25 cents. Some of those other competitors I mentioned, actually all of them, uh, if somebody gave that same $10,000 gift via their bank account, it's going to cost $100 plus uh, usually a flat fee of about 30 cents to a dollar. So the difference is 25 cents or over a hundred dollars. Hmm. So again, really Crazy, important man. to uh, make sure that you're making good choices on those types of things. And uh, you know, no, all joking aside, my XP.church, we'd love totally. to help if you want to make that change. Yeah. I think the last thing that we has always been really uh, instrumental for us is to provide financial counseling. Mm -hmm. And I think some people might hear that and go, Oh, you're doing Dave, Dave Ramsey. We've mm, never done Dave Ramsey. No, I'm a wide nap guy. Well, and I just, I'm not, I like, I don't know that much about Dave Ramsey. I know that I'm not, I'm not, I don't carry cash. And so I'm not or carrying envelopes. envelopes. I, Where do you find an envelope? I, I don't know. I mean, I like to write letters to people, so I do have envelopes. I'm not, mm. not trying yeah. to pretend like that I don't was have a envelopes, weird but I'm just, I'm not going to carry sure. the I, cash I don't have in envelopes. It's like I just pretended that envelopes are like VHS <laughs> tapes. I don't know. <laughs> envelopes are regularly used every day. Keep going. But I think the point being on this, you know, that there are, again, going back to where we started with the heart myth, Yeah. like the only reason people don't give is because they don't love Jesus. And the truth is some people would give, but their finances are an absolute mess, totally. which means what they need is help rather yep. than condemnation. Yep. And sometimes the reason that giving is not like, well, it's not happening because finances are a mess, but you're not actually providing them any sort of hope or help. Sure. You're just heaping guilt on something that they're like, I, I would love to, but like, 
I'm barely, I'm, I'm not paying my bills right now. Yeah. And so to be able in a non-weird, non-heavy-handed, very life-giving way to be able to come alongside mm-hmm. and not Im- just impose a system on people, but to be able to help them learn how to manage money. And there are a lot of, and I, I'm, I say this point, I'll let you speak to it because I've never had anything to do with it because mm-hmm. I am, I'm married to someone who does a great job managing mm. our finances. Sure. But you lived with me before my wife did, mm-hmm. and you knew, know what a mess my finances were. Mm-hmm. I was never taught how to manage finances well. Yeah. And thankfully, she does. But I think a lot of people are in that boat, that sure. they just don't know what they're doing. Totally. And I think one of the way, and we don't always think of that as discipleship, but it is. Absolutely. Because we're teaching people how to steward, not just how to give 10%, but right. how to steward everything God gives you in a way that glorifies sure. him and helps others. So helping people understand how to apply what Jesus talked about 25% of the time. Right. Seems like a discipleship it uh, seems slam like that. dunk. Yeah. But any so any thoughts? I know we we said like we've not used. Yeah. I don't really know anything about yeah. Dave Ramsey's thing other sure. than the envelopes that yeah. I think are dumb. Yeah, um, and I think he's done some real questionable things over the last yeah. year. So yeah. I don't know what to make of all that. But um, any other thoughts on like on the finance? Like who should do it? How yeah. do you find like how do you make it accessible to people with like because we've never forced it. It's just been something yeah. we've made available, but. Any best practices that come to mind when you think about that? Yeah, I think that just that people know that it's an option and then making sure I, I don't love the like uh, financial management classes. I think it's better mm-hmm. done as kind of a one-on-one thing. And so if you can figure that out, and I think if you're part of a large church, then have a team of people that do it. Yeah. Um, if you're not part of a large church, do it yourself. But I think really partnering with people and helping them understand how to best do it and coming up with a really good approach. And, and quite frankly, the approach that works for you is probably the one you need to do. I'm a huge, uh, it's called YNAB. It's you mm-hmm. need a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, changed my life like five years ago. I haven't paid one cent in credit card interest in those five years. And I have taken the credit card companies for such a points ride. Oh, I sometimes think they're out to have me. Your, your face is on their wall. Oh, somewhere. <laughs> they're like, Just, we yeah, hate this yeah. guy. And, 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 and so I think, and that's my approach. And so that's yeah. how I, counsel and point people towards is helping them understand. I get that, you know, credit cards can be dangerous, it's, but I feel like to, to just say, don't do them. You're kind of like the footloose town. Yeah. I get what dancing can lead to. It doesn't every time <laughs> I have danced and I am very single. <laughs> <laughs> and so it has never in my whole life led to that. So ergo, so what you're saying is dancing has never led to a violation of your virginity. I just not, want to point out the no, subtext in what no, you were just saying. Not one ounce. <laughs> and so I think that having that approach that like, because it could leave there, yeah. uh, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, mm-hmm. not money, the right. love of. So help people not love it and help people live generously with it and coming up with your plan and how you can partner with people. And genuinely, I think the other thing that's important for all pastors is the goal of these financial uh, counseling scenarios is not to just get them to up their giving. It's to really help them and also help them see that that's a really important part, but you have to be really open-handed. You're either going to help people and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do
do his job on that part. Um, or it's just going to feel real oppressive. Like you're there to like ring them out and see what, uh, what changes in their pockets that you can throw in the offering bin. So it's good. Well, I do know, uh, especially if like me, you're not a super financially minded person. This is a very, it can be a very overwhelming, complicated topic. And so just one more time to say that if this is an area that you really feel like you could use, uh, support and help in myxp.church, mm. Like the first, your first uh, free connect is connect. free yep. to at least get a sense of what it is. And, and there's a multitude of ways in which my XP helps and serves. And so mm. I would highly recommend, I don't think that I would have pastored in such generous cultures and contexts had I not had help from you in that. And so awesome. I would really recommend that anybody check that out. Um Anyways, as always, thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, man, especially if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Thanks for giving us this uh, 40 minutes it's been uh, and listening to us. But if it is your first time, there are a couple things, if this has been a blessing to you, that you can help us with. Uh, The first is to go ahead and subscribe to From the Field, wherever you listen to podcasts. Every week we bring a new episode. Secondly, you can leave a review wherever that place is that you listen. And then thirdly, we're always uh, anxious to be able to connect with people on social media. And so you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At I'm at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And I'm at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. <laughs> Brought the music in hot that time. D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Uh-oh. Don't start dancing because we know what that means. Mm, uh-oh. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.